0: Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Peter and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, have struck it rich in our Gospel lesson this morning. Maybe even the biggest catch of fish they have ever seen. And even better, after a long night of toiling unsuccessfully, catching nothing, here they are with all of these fish beyond measure, their biggest day. What would you do if you were a fisherman and you've just pulled in your largest haul of fish? You'd probably, if you were like me, start to think about what you're going to spend all of that extra income on. Maybe if you're business-minded, it's going to be an upgrade to your boat, better nets, bigger nets, in case this happens again, more help, so you don't have to clean those nets yourself. Or maybe you're leisure-minded and you're thinking, I'm going to take a break. take a vacation, I'm going to treat myself with all this extra income. Whatever it is, any right-minded person, having hauled in such a large cache of fish, is going to be thinking about the success that they've just had, how they've struck it rich, hit the mother load. Notice what happens in our gospel lesson. The very end of our lesson, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They didn't even stop to count the fish, didn't stop to clean them and sell them. They didn't take the money that they could have earned by selling these fish and give them to the poor. They just dropped it all. They dropped it all and followed Jesus. Now that is a miracle. Today I want to talk about the miracles that are in our gospel lesson, and they're surprising because at first glance it really seems like the big miracle is all of these fish which seem to have appeared out of nowhere. That's the miracle, right? That Jesus has power over nature and that he can produce fish out of the depths of the sea, so many that the nets are breaking. But really, that's a small miracle in comparison with what Jesus does in the hearts and lives of the people that are listening to him. And so it is for Peter and James and John. It's a miracle. Who in their right mind would drop everything and follow Jesus? Let's back up, though, to the beginning of that gospel where we already see some miracles happening that should startle us beyond measure. Take a look at the first verse of that lesson. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus... What were they pressing on him to do? Not to have their bellies filled, not to have their sick made well, but to hear the word of God. That's a miracle. Think about everything else they could have been doing. Working, fishing, golfing, watching their kids play sports, partying with their family and friends, all of the other things that they could have been doing that would have seemed much more pleasant To the world around them and felt much more pleasant to their flesh but here they are not just listening to jesus but crowding around him they can't get enough that's a miracle it's so contrary so foreign to our sinful hearts to want to hear god's word it can only be by a miracle that anyone listens and treasures god's word It's like the 7,000 that God describes to Elijah in our Old Testament lesson. There he is, hiding in a mountain because he's terrified. He thinks he's the only one left. Everyone else has rejected God's word. Of the hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of Israelites, there are none that want to listen to God's word. Elijah believes that he and he alone is left. But God comes to him in a still small voice and makes promises to him, And then he says, no, you aren't the only one. There are 7,000. Now, depending on your perspective, that may be a very large or a very small number. If you are comparing it to the size of the nation of Israel, it's a tiny number, just a fraction, minuscule, that have not bent the knee to the idol Baal. But when you compare that number to what we should expect, how many do you expect not to bend the knee? How many people, sinful people, would you expect to love God and to listen to his word? 7,000 is an amazing number, far more than we could ever hope for, far more than we should ever expect, for it takes a miracle for anyone to listen to God's word, for anyone to treasure God's word, for anyone in the face of what everyone else is doing to keep God's Word, which is what those 7,000 had done. Imagine, you're in a nation of people, all of whom are idolatrous, all of whom worship another God, all of whom will persecute you and put you to shame for resisting, for putting your faith in the one true God. In fact, it's not so far from the truth for your situation, is it? 7,000 have heard the Word, treasured it, and kept it. How rare and precious it is in the face of what everyone else is doing. To hear God's Word, to come to church to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to listen to God's Word. I'm going to hear His commands and follow them. I'm not going to gossip about my neighbor. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to disobey my parents. I'm not going to lust after what is not mine. I'm not going to spend the night with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm not going to live for myself every moment. And in fact, not at all. I'm going to live for my neighbors. How rare and precious it is that anyone does that. How rare and precious it is that anyone hears the word of God, treasures it, and keeps it. How wonderful it is that we here in this place have heard God's word. How wonderful it is that he has worked such a miracle among us. Look at what the disciples do. They drop their work when they see Jesus preaching to the crowds and he says to them, I want to come into your boat so that I can preach more freely. They were crowding around him and he couldn't speak to the people that he wanted to get in their boat and push out from shore and the disciples drop their work of cleaning the nets and they push out from shore so that everyone can hear God's word, so that they can listen to God's word. What is it? Do you know what is it that makes God's word so precious? it is rich in so many ways in the first place because it delivers to us forgiveness and salvation for us who have bad consciences on account of our sinful hearts and our sinful deeds the word of god is the most precious thing ever for when you hear that christ died on the cross to forgive your sins to take away the penalty that you deserve the wrath and hell that you deserve on account of your sin it is like having the heaviest burden lifted off your shoulders. That forgiveness and salvation is worth dying for, is worth giving up everything for. It is worth leaving behind riches and the acclaim of your neighbors. It's worth leaving behind family and friends to be made clean. And so to be free, to be free from fear. Look at what happens to Peter. He recognizes When that haul of fish comes in, he recognizes that he is standing in the presence of God. It is a fearful thing to come into the hands of the living God. And there Peter finds himself, and he reacts appropriately. He falls down on his knees. But he is afraid. He knows what he deserves. He knows what he should receive from the hand of Jesus. He is afraid. In Christ we have freedom from that fear. Listen to what Jesus says to him. Do not be afraid. That is what he says to you. That is what his word preaches to you. Do not be afraid. Your sins have been forgiven. There is no one who can harm you. As St. Peter says, who can harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And what could be better than receiving the blood of Christ to cover all your sins? And there is your comfort in life And in death, that is what God's word pours out on you abundantly, day in and day out. Comfort in the face of everything that ails you in this life. Sickness and sorrow and grief and death. There is your comfort. It is the only comfort. And that is why it is so precious. So precious also because it is the truth. In a world that is brimming with lies. God's word which speaks the truth is a breath of fresh air. It is the light dawning after a long night full of darkness. God's word is truth. It sets us free from the lies. It is the one thing. It is the only thing that matters in this life. It is the only thing that can save. It is God speaking to you, his beloved children. For everything in this world that is fleeting and temporal, God's word offers the cure. His word never fades, it never goes away. His love for you is eternal. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for this. That's what the church is. The church is that crowd of people pressing in on Jesus because they hunger and thirst for his word. They know that it is their source of life. That is why, as you heard in the gospel a few weeks ago, there is really no room for excuses in the church. I have to sell some oxen, or I have to go and be with my wife who I've just married. I have bought a piece of land. I need to go and inspect it. Those excuses, the excuses that we make, there's no place for them in the church. Whether it's work or sports or vacation or family, there's no place for excuses in the church because Christians hunger and thirst for God's word. And in fact, really, there can be no sense in talking about excuses at all because an excuse is something that you make to get out of an obligation. But here in this place... It is all joy, hearing God's Word. His Word is poured out for you in abundance, for you who hunger and thirst, for you who know that it is your life and your salvation. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for this. It's why there's no room for twisting anyone's arm to get them to come to church or to hear God's Word. It's not a matter of manipulation, a matter of obligation matter of satisfying someone's requirements is all about joy the joy of life and salvation and when we understand that the more we reckon with that the better we can share that with our neighbors that we do not go to church we do not hear God's word because we must because someone will be disappointed if we don't we go to hear God's word because we need to be fed because we need to be nourished because it is our hope Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice, and so it is with you. You are his sheep, and you have heard his voice. Thank God, thank God that he has performed this miracle among us. It is no small thing. We should never have expected it, and here it is. Pray that God would grant this miracle all the more. That he would increase in us a hunger and thirst for his word, that he would increase in our neighbors and our families and our friends a hunger and thirst for his word. Grant that he would teach us to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. And with that joy, that joy of receiving life and salvation, comes all kinds of other joy. And I just want to point out this other miracle that might be overlooked in our gospel lesson the miracle of God's blessings from day to day. So notice what happens for the disciples who have labored all night on their own unsuccessfully. They're professionals. They know what they're doing and yet they can't catch a thing. But Jesus comes along and he says, cast out your nets, and Peter says, I will. At your word, at your word, at your prompting, because you've called me and told me to do it, I will, and see what happens. God blesses their work. He blesses what they do from day to day, the ordinary, mundane thing that they are busy with all the time. He blesses it because they've done it according to his word. We should expect that because of the curse given to Adam and Eve, the curse against the ground, that it brings forth thorns and thistles, we should expect work to be futile. For us to labor like the disciples and never for anything to come of it. But see how God blesses us daily, giving us our daily bread. He blesses you in your work so that you can put food on your table and a shelter over your head so that you can provide for your family. And also in this way, something that is even more surprising, that when you give your offerings to church, the fruit of your labor to church, you are allowing God's word to be preached freely. Think about what that does. Maybe you've not thought about this before. Under other circumstances where people do not give their offerings to church, a pastor has to work another job to support his labor so that he can preach God's Word. I don't have to do that because of God's blessing in your work which you then give to church. I don't have to do that. Instead, I can spend all my time preaching the gospel, preaching it to you, preaching it to your friends and your neighbors. I can spend all my time sharing that good news because of how God blesses your work. Thank God that He has performed this miracle among us, that like the disciples who pull in this miraculous catch of fish, God has miraculously blessed you from day to day so that your work is not in vain, but that it is fruitful. Blessing your family, blessing your neighbors, blessing this church. God grant us grace so to work according to his word, to cast out our nets at his word, and to put everything we gain to such profitable use. The disciples leave behind everything to heed Jesus' call. He calls Peter and James and John to be fishers of men, to be evangelists, apostles, to preach the gospel. He doesn't call everyone to do that, but nonetheless, he calls everyone. He calls you to believe that the things of this world, like that pile of fish on the shore, they are worthless in comparison with what God grants us by his word. He calls you to take up your cross and follow him. He calls you not to love your life, but to give it up so that you may gain life in him. He calls you to be like St. Paul, who says in Philippians, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. Thank God that he has worked that miracle among us. Thank God that he has given you grace and faith to leave behind what you have left behind to hear his word and to keep it. Pray that God would grant us more grace to the end of our days, to count it all loss for the hope of the resurrection that we have in Christ Jesus. To him alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.